Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 264. You take the 30,000 on the left. This week, we're discussing the finale of Angel, not Fade Away, as well as the broader themes and character development of Angel, the series. As always, we suggest you watch the episode before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Not fade away. We are here at the end of all Can't things. Believe it. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I've seen for- my last episode of the Buffyverse. I can't believe it. First things first. I mentioned to you, I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast, but I mentioned to you separately that um, I kind of wish that this had lined up with the ending of The Fates. Sure. Because of the very yeah. apocalyptic ending that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I think there's some interesting character stuff. We could we could refer to The Fades if we so want, because we've talked about it. People know our thoughts on that. But um, yeah, I didn't actually want to start there. I wanted to start with uh, just some quick production notes. I mean, not surprising, we get the return of Joss as a writer. It's, it's Joss's final episode as a writer on Angel. <laughs> as we've been noting the other writers we should in case you couldn't figure Shocking. that one out yeah. on your own um not directed by him though directed by jeffrey bell who again was acting as um the showrunner this mm-hmm. season so um kind of a collaboration mm-hmm. there um in the end uh and yeah i mean i don't like i've got some other stuff maybe to say later and and we'll talk about awards and stuff when we kind of talk more about um the whole series um which maybe not surprisingly not fade away was nominated for some stuff um mm-hmm. and whatever but yeah i don't i don't know that i have a whole lot more to say at this point other than written by joss whedon and jeffrey bell and directed by jeffrey bell <laughs> so there you go nice. <laughs> um oh well and maybe i will just mention too that like there was like speculation that like Sarah Michelle Geller was going to show up, you know, as Buffy and everything. And I think like we, we kind of discussed that. I I feel like after having watched like, um, what was it? The episode where they go to like Italy and stuff and like seeing, and, and there was another episode where, um, you know, Angel's like having the dream. With, right. Like, where she's in Buffy bed having it's sex like, next clearly to him. Like, like a double in a yeah. blonde wig or something. Yeah. Like, if if you're not gonna have her come back for those types of things that you know chances of her coming back at this point seem kind of weird but yeah you, you know how rumors get yeah. i guess yeah. um yeah I, but wasn't, yeah I wasn't expecting it i have to be honest like it wasn't like i wasn't like waiting for buffy to appear around any corner really yeah and i mean josh kind of said at the time uh apparently in tv guy that you know he didn't want it he didn't want her to kind of shine to overshine the rest of stuff, you know, as kind of the guest star, you know, in the final thing. And even thinking about it, like Angel did show up at the end of Buffy, but one, his show was still kind of going on, but it was like, he shows up and then leaves. Right. Like, so it's not even like he played a huge role. Like he shows up, kind of watches her kick Caleb's butt. And then like, 
I mean, they talk and have a nice moment, but then he's like, okay, I'm supposed to give you this. And then she's like, okay, leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he does. So it's like, I don't know if you could do that same thing with her and have yeah. it work, but like also, yeah, like this isn't her thing. And, you know, as we know from the comics now, like she's off doing her own thing elsewhere in the world, kind of dealing with, you know, a new, the activation of all these slayers and stuff. So I think it makes sense, even if in retrospect, you know, from story perspective, you know, certainly makes sense for her not to do it. Well, and it kind of makes sense, like narratively, like there's been a break between Buffy, team Buffy and team Angel in in terms of like Giles and Buffy sort of, being critical of angels you know what their goals are and and how they're achieving them um so it like it kind of maybe that's why you're not expecting it because it's been made clear like maybe there will be reconciliation down the road but for right now they don't really consider them fully fighting on the same side like we might have we might say we want the same things, but are you guys really, you know, fighting for what we are? And are we mm-hmm. like to have them swoop in as kind of, you know, Buffy or, or the others that are with her kind of to be involved last minute doesn't have the same feel as Angel coming to kind of right. offer his, you know, sword alongside Buffy. And then I feel like from a meta point of view, it it does it wouldn't feel the same for Sarah Michelle Geller to come like we talked about like the cultural impact of Angel like to what extent does Angel on its own have a cultural impact separately from the Buffy verse and I feel like Buffy carries so much more like gravity than like Angel coming to Buffy isn't the same thing as Buffy coming to Angel um, and maybe she would like you said, steal too much focus or kind of, you know, center the story around herself in a way that Angel going back to her show doesn't necessarily do. Um, sure. So, I mean, maybe they could have found a way to make it work, but I, I'm not surprised that they didn't really open that can of worms, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Where I kind of want to start with the dis- episode discussion is kind of pick up where we left off with the circle of the black thorn and sort of what is Angel's plan. And, you know, we'll mm-hmm. go through for each of the team members, okay, the plan, like what are they supposed to do? And then also their kind of final, you know, last rites, their, their, spend their day however they want to before everything ends and then like what actually happens which is not always the same thing as what the plan was um but before that I guess like kind of finishing off like the infiltration and you know kind of getting ready of the circle of the black thorn for these you know individual assassination um attempts uh you still kind of have angel finishing off his infiltration of them, like going to meetings with them, kind of them still not really trusting him, putting him in his place and kind of 
not it's not even so much him it's it's more that his people like the message to him is get your people under control um you yeah. know he can they can see that or they think they can see um that there's infighting among the group you know marcus sees they're falling out kind of through the glass with the glamour and everything um and is you know probably reporting back to the circle and the circle kind of sees what they think they know of what's going on um and thinks that you know angel's gonna get kind of betrayed by the group but specifically i want to point out um that they foresee betrayal by wesley which is really interesting um this is sort of the weak link that they've identified although weak in terms of angel's team but not necessarily weak to the circle like you know to see betrayal in wesley is also like we see a lot of potential in him like from their point of view he's maybe an ally that they're thinking of recruiting in the future sort of that's the idea i got out of it um sure so yeah, um, and I guess beyond that, um, there's this whole thing of having to do one last thing to prove not his loyalty, but to prove that he has no hopes that there is another way out of this. So they have him sign away his Shanshu prophecy um, in his own blood, which, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we really get spelled out exactly what it is he's signing away i mean he's signing away his potential humanity in the future um it's not necessarily his soul he's signing away again it's sort of like right. he's signing away his claim to the prophecy like if yeah if there ever was a potential of him being the subject of the prophecy that's what he's given up now well or and something so, it's very abstract which is kind of interesting sure i which i feel like that's okay and kind of goes mm -hmm. along with the whole right shansu prophecy to begin with it's because a very abstract prophecy <laughs> in the we, first place we're never quite clear what exactly it is and there's so many like yeah like versions or uh translations or like you know misdirections that I, I, you're never quite sure. Is the prophecy real? Is it not real? Does mm -hmm. it actually say what we think it says? <laughs> like, you know, that. Yeah, it's like such a weird thing. But I think so. Right. Or even was there ever? I mean, well, I want to loop back around this at the end again with Spike and Angel, but like the question of does it even refer to one person? I mean, we're, you know, presuming that it does, but is it just this kind of amorphous thing that could potentially apply to different people at different times or have multiple sure. candidates. And so the idea that he's signing it away, like he, he might be one of several candidates revoking their claim to it. Um, like, or, is it his to sign away is sort of a question. Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. Not even is it his to sign away, but like, is it even possible to sign away a prophecy mm -hmm. like is because right, right. well it's just find another fulfilling way the prophecy true. is is never the same well i shouldn't say never maybe somewhere in literature there's someone who makes a prophecy about themselves that comes true but like 
he didn't make the prophecy and like so can he say it doesn't apply to me and can that be held against him in any way shape or form really and also all the people like he signs a contract with people who all end up dead (laughs) so like who who's going to enforce it if like the Shanshu prophecy does end up applying to him. Right, right. So there's like lots of potential. Right. Like, like they're all very concerned. Like, oh, by signing away the prophecy, we know that you're not lying. And it's like, no, in fact, you don't <laughs> you know don't. that. And and if he is lying, you have no way of holding him to right. whatever his contract. I mean, all right, he signs it in blood, but what does that really mean? Like, if it's blood magic, what's you know what's the force you mm-hmm. know enforcing that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so like there, there's well, and all with, kinds with the ways like... that prophecies always work, which the Shanshu kind of falls under these rules of it, they're never true in the way you, they you think they're going to be, and so just by him signing it, could that be the very thing that fulfills the prophecy that you didn't realize? Right. Like, right. if it's not true in the way you thought, can it just be true in a different way? Um, yeah, it, it it's sort of the classic like. The only person who deserves power is the one who doesn't seek it kind right. of thing, right? Like right. if if you're if you're truly not if you're willing to give it away, then you're the only one who's worthy of taking it. Right. You know. Right. Or in in killing your enemies so that no woman no man born of woman can kill you, you end up creating the enemy who, oh, by the way, like he wasn't born a woman, so now you have an enemy perfectly tailored to take you down. Um, right. Like, are they just, you know, are, are they just pawns themselves in the fulfillment? We don't get those answers in this episode, no. which is interesting. But, um, it, it <coughs> you know, it's a reminder kind of for future speculation or you know, spinoffs or comics or fanfic or whatever that like the, you know, the prophecy continues to be a really important kind of theme going forward. And it's an interesting way of kind of on the one hand, closing that arc kind of ostensibly closing it in that, but in the final episode of the series, Angel gives up the Shanshu prophecy in service of something else. Like he has a, he has something he wants to do and he's willing to finally say, I write in blood, I'm not going to pursue this other goal anymore. But on the other hand, leaves it completely open-ended. Like it doesn't actually resolve anything and it could just <clears throat> continue to evolve in different ways. So I think that's kind of interesting. It's an interesting way of dealing and not dealing with the question um, at the same time, which is cool. Um, it, it might not surprise you that the Shanshu prophecy does come up in the comics and stuff. Sure, and we could talk course. about that later, but you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Well, we'll talk about that. Later, yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't know whether they had these conversations, but in my crit fic, it's like I can imagine them saying like, "Well, we should probably address this and make some sort of final statement on it." But also, we don't actually want to confirm or deny anything. So, like, finding a way to give it some closure, but also leave it completely open to interpretation. Um, so, it, it walks a very interesting sort of fine line. Um, 
beyond that, I think like let's just go through the characters because Angel's uh, plan is pretty straightforward. Um, they, as he explained before, kill, kill them all, kill them all. Um, <laughs> you know, individually, so everybody on the team gets a specific assignment that's tailored to their particular skills and strengths. Um, and yeah, go off, assassinate them, and then meet me in the alley. <laughs> that's the plan. Right. Um, so <laughs> here's the thing that I kind of question with this, right? And we've talked before about how the whole circle of the Blackthorn plot sort of arises, you know, from what's the Latin term? The sui generis, out of out of sort of itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like it just kind of occurs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um I, I've always sort of wondered like why does he need to go through all the ruse if, like, he's just going to send gun through the front door of the senator's office mm -hmm. to, like, kill a bunch of vampires and the senator or whatever? Like, is... To become maybe, a member of the circle, you mean? Like, why does he... Yeah, like, why does right. he bother going through all that? I mean, maybe, like, okay, you could say, like, by poisoning Sebastus's thing, like, he needed some excuse. But, like, Sebastus is, wasn't he already, like, a Wolferman Hart client? Well, like, couldn't he just so, do that? <laughs> right. So, I mean, when you say they kind of arose out of nowhere, that is certainly true. Although most of them we do see prior to. Sure. Learning. They're like monsters of the week. And right. now we find out they're kind of all colluding. So that is and... kind of cool. And I feel like if there's, I, I maybe they could spell this out a little more and they certainly could have taken more time to like develop it. But um, I feel like, he if he needed to become a member is it because to find out like who they are like maybe he knew there was this shadowy circle of the black thorn but who specifically is a member and like if if i want right. to take them out who exactly am i targeting Sure. Um, it's I like could a see eyes wide shut thing, kind of. <laughs> exactly right, like, it, and that's what their masks and everything. Like, it's this—it's a secret society, so by definition, you don't know exactly the membership. And I feel like that could be a practical reason why he needs to become one of them to to get like a full roster of who are the big guns that I need to. Maybe take so, out. like, like is he kind of is his in? Mm -hmm. And then, like, but maybe he doesn't know, like, like he could, maybe he could guess, like, maybe he could guess that, like, Sebastus is part of it, but he doesn't, right. he needs the confirmation. I guess that could, I could see that. I, it, it just seems like, like that and, like, Wesley betraying him and, like, Lindsay and um, Lorne, you know, and even Spike going to just, like, beat up the fell brethren, like, at least half of those you know, half of the group could have just done what they did without any, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. part of Angel saying, like, I'm going to become part of the circle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And acting all kind of mysterious about giving the baby to the fell brethren when it's like, but your plan was just to kill the fell brethren and get the baby back. So, like, why did we go through 
I can see that. I, I think, I think there could have been a way to present it where it was a little bit clearer that there's a purpose to having yeah. to become a member, but you know, I don't know that they fully, sure. they, I, it, it's a slightly half-baked concept. So I, I definitely, yeah. I definitely agree that like you can, you can make your own. You, of, you can talk your way into making sense. Yeah. With it. Like, yeah. like even if it's not to find out who's in it, like, Maybe you already know who's in it, but maybe it's more of like a a way to know when everyone is in the same place or in this or 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 not in the same place or like you know what I mean. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's it's one of those like it's more about the tactics of like okay, now that I'm in and they trust me, like I have access to information right. about what they're doing and that kind of stuff, so that you know that you know Izzy's going to be in this particular phase at this particular time. Right. I mean. You could do that with just sort of good old fashioned surveillance, but like maybe this is just an easier way to accomplish that same thing. Right. right. They just never come out and say that that's the case. Right, so you have right. to kind of do an extra like step or two of, of your own to kind of get there. Right. Right. Um, you have to kind of pick that. I think any any and all of those are plausible explanations, right. but you have to kind of pick your headcanon as to like which is the... Yeah, I don't think he ever comes out and says, I mean, he says I needed to be one of them to gain their trust. But like, why? Why do they need to right. trust what, you? Like, yes. what about sending gun in to kill a bunch of vampires? Right. Like, Re- why do you need requires their them trust you to first. trust you yeah. first? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a fair, it's an easily fixable plot hole, but it is a little bit of a plot hole. Um yeah, and hole might even be too strong a word, like a plot like weakness, but sure, plot deficiency. Um, anyway, right. so uh, sorry, I kind of like took us off there, but yeah, like there are various assignments. I don't, uh, I don't know if we got through them all. No, or no. or how you wanted to handle that actually, because well, maybe... no, I mean, let's go through kind of what their assignments are and their last day and and. And then kind of their fate, like, as you put it, like, their whole arc within this episode. Because um, it does kind of just cut between them. So I think we can talk about them sort of individually rather than jumping back and forth. Um, sure. So Angel, um, well, he says that his, there's more fake outs, right? He says that his, uh, you know, target is Sebastus. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, again, like, why even pretend to his, you know, friends and colleagues that that's the case? Is it, like, just purely, like, he needs an ironclad alibi so that Marcus falls for the trap, you know? Um, he doesn't want any hint yeah. of, of the truth getting, like, in order for this to be a convincing misdirect, he has to lie to everybody. Um, you know, that kind of that makes a certain sense to me. Sure. Um, so in the meantime, um, all his perfect days with Connor, how sweet. <laughs> his last perfect day. I know, day. we just can't get rid of the kid. Can't get rid- and we're like, oh God, really? This is your last day? No. Um, I, I mean, it, it, that makes sense from Angels. I'm not really begrudging that choice. Um Sure. Is it a little surprising though that Connor doesn't want to be part of the team? I mean, 
who's to say he doesn't i mean he kind of does show up and saves angel later and they fight together so there's a little bit of uh some cognitive dissonance between what he says and what he does um you know no that's that's it's hard to take him totally seriously when 30 seconds later he's like hey i'm here to fight and rescue you yeah that's true that's true so yes i think that's a his answer that he doesn't want to be involved and just wants to live his quiet life is questionable and only backed up by the fact that he literally goes against it within this same episode. So um, I think like for Connor post, you know, post series, that's a question going forward is to what extent does he really believe what he's saying about that? And like, would he be able to, not live this life considering that he knows about it and has all these memories um yeah so um i'm a little yeah i mean i'm a little more surprised i guess on that theme when angel tells him to go home at the end that he does um you know but I, I think that's part of the, he's, that's the tension is he's torn between the two. So mm. he's not fully, you know, like, it's not like he's absolutely refusing to leave Angel's side at the end, but it's also not that he doesn't care what happens to Angel either. He's somewhere in between. Right. Yeah. Um, and otherwise, yeah, Angel fakes out Marcus and you know, secretly, sneakily, you know, takes out his target, you know, Sebastus much earlier, you know, he pushes the gimp demon guy, and, mm-hmm. you know, secretly, you know, poisons him and spikes uh, Sebastus. So he's already out of the way so that Angel can have uh, some alone time with Marcus, who he's manipulated through Harmony. Um, to get him where he wants him. Right. Um, so, he, so here's some questions that maybe it's up to your interpretation, or maybe we don't get a straight answer. Um, how much of these things? It seems like this all goes according to plan, but that kind of implies that Angel predicted both that Harmony would betray him, and also. Um, it, it kind of, I feel like they present it as Angel figures out in the moment because because Marcus says something stupid to drink his blood and kind of acquire the powers, you know, of the senior partners. Mm-hmm. But also, like, if that hadn't occurred to him, like, what was your plan to win this fight? Um, so it's like, it's kind of hard to believe that he went into this fight not knowing how he was going to defeat Marcus. But I feel like that's sort of the implication is it's not until Marcus says the right thing that Angel really puts together like, oh, there is a way to. Yeah, to beat him. Um, So to what extent are either or both of those things predicted or planned ahead of time? And maybe we don't know. Maybe it's all again, choose your headcanon and 
you know, make your best argument based on what we say. Sure. So on as far as Harmony goes, I think he definitely predicted that Harmony would turn on him. Which is hilarious. Um that whole exchange is pretty just even pretty by funny. the fact that like he already had like the letter written out, you know, like for her to take and that kind of stuff. Like that seems like both like a damning but also like forgiving gesture at the same time, right? Like I know you're gonna betray me and it's okay. <laughs> like Right. Well and I like the matter of factness of like you don't have a soul. Like you you literally have no choice but to betray me eventually. You know, sure. you are soulless and evil and I know we like our vampires and we get very like attached to them, but like they are soulless and evil. And right. you know <laughs> As um, Spike tried to keep reminding people Right, like when why does he nobody... went back to Sunnydale, he's like Right. Look, no soul what was it what was that, season four, I guess, right? Like people. I keep telling you, I'm evil. Right. there's a very like meta thing of that because there is that part of you that's like disappointed like oh harmony like Uh, come on but then you're like why like (laughs) it's not based on he is a soulless bloodsucker right Right. um Um, you know and that whole exchange about um i am you know i'll have you know i am damn loyal dumbass and you're betraying me right now even as we're talking (laughs) because you don't have any confidence in me no, because you don't have a soul. I would if you had any confidence in me. Um, that's just a great little exchange. Um, um, yeah, and, well, and it, it's and kind I of think... kind of fun with all the nobility going, and you know, at the end of this, it, it is fun to have someone like Harmony who's like, no, sure. she can just completely stay fun and you know, like funny to have around, but. Um, there's no real redemption arc there. She's she's a soulless evil vampire, and and that's kind of what she is. Well, but two things on that front, because first of all, like we have seen Spike, and he went and got his soul. Mm-hmm. Now that's after the whole chip thing, so maybe it's like right. once you get a taste of a soul, then like you need the whole thing, right? Like once once you get a chip, which was it according to Don is as good as a soul? Like, mm-hmm. you know, right. maybe, maybe that was the impetus there, but like there is an actual redemption in Spike's art. So it's not like the soulless vampire can be redeemed is wholly unheard of. No. And I didn't mean and, that. Um, no, no. And I, I didn't mean that as like a counter to anything you said. I just mean like, I think that leads us to then root for Harmony because mm-hmm. then there's episodes like Harm's Way where there there kind of is yeah it's like her fighting another vampire and it's you know there's like the corporate struggle metaphor in that and all of that uh, you know of the like you know ruthless trying to get one over on your coworker kind of thing mm-hmm. but like at the same time it's like oh no she's she's like it's the corporation that's fighting against the outsiders who who have now taken over and harmony siding with angel and you know so there's maybe some kind of you know decision that she's making that's maybe not 
quantifiably the same as spikes, but maybe qualitatively the same, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. it's of the same type, if not the same, you know, amount <laughs> that spikes getting a soul is. And, and so, you know, there's, I think maybe a little bit of hope because we do want to like harmony and, you know, we saw how far Cordelia came when she grew and, you know, we saw Spike go from soulless, blood-sucking vampire, you know, big bad to, you know, what he is now. So mm -hmm. I think I think it's natural. And I think the whole Buffyverse, uh, you know, thing prompts us to say it's at least possible, if not very likely. And it just so happens that with Harmony, it's the not very likely part that sort of wins in the end. Right. Of, you know, yeah, it's not likely and she doesn't accomplish it. And right, she's not going to be the anomaly, or at least not at this point, you know. Maybe there's hope in the future, you know. But, sure, um, she's, I mean, she's still around. Right. She's not one of the ones who dies. Right. Um, yeah, but the, I mean, I do think there's something satisfying in being kind of reminded of that, like in, you know. Um, as everyone is sort of nobly sacrificing themselves, you know, to save the day and everything sure. to have just that thing of like, lest you forget, like we are dealing with some pretty, as long as we're talking about gray areas, we're dealing with, you know, a few pretty shaded characters here and, and don't forget what harmony is. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me to it, like the, the sacrificing themselves kind of thing. Um, this isn't something I picked up on. It's something I definitely read. Um, as you know, I, music isn't always the thing that I pick up on in, you know, whatever, like, themes and stuff. But um, I did want to mention that in that um, where they're getting their assignments, that scene where Angel's kind of telling them what to do, apparently is the hero theme from way back in season one with Doyle, mm. where... Um, but, you know, he basically sacrifices himself. And mm -hmm. and based on what I've read specifically for that reason, because it's them kind of taking on that same mantle of being mm -hmm. willing to, you know, die for kind of the cause if that's what ends up happening. Right, right. Interesting. Which for some of them is actually the case. Sure. Yeah. Um. It's not the case for Angel. Um, it's not. It's no. He he does again. At, at least, at least not at, least at not the right point now. in which we last see him yeah. at the end of the episode. Not at this actual second. Um. So yeah, and I it's mean, also not the case that dying is the end of the story. Yes. Um. This is true. <laughs> As we've noted many times. Um. Death doesn't have to be the end. Um. Right. Right. So, I mean, just kind of finishing up with Angel. So, yeah, like planned or not, he, you know, I mean, he definitely, I agree, manipulates Harmony and, and, um, would, and not even manipulates, but presents an, op an opportunity for Harmony to do what he, you know, guesses Harmony will do and, uh, ends up, you know, taking on Marcus himself and, um, you know, figures out how to, you know, acquire his power and take him down and, and breaks his neck, which is gross. 
I just realized that like I never actually responded to your other point of like jumping in without you know knowing how to defeat Marcus but right. like I, I feel like that's a running theme sure in the series <laughs> even like the last scene yeah. of like I mean we named our episode you know you take the 30,000 on the left like right. I, I don't know how to right. you know whatever and it w- was Angel say like you know I want the dragon or whatever like right. Right. you know something along those lines and so like Right. And, and, and I, I fully take believe the, that he has no idea how he's going to defeat that dragon, but right. it's not going to stop him from. And he'll take the, the biggest, meanest opponent himself, you know, which if he's divvying up the Black Thorn members, he kind of, you know, Sebastus is like the chief thing, but also like the, in, in some ways, the easiest to dispose. It's Marcus that's the real threat right. here. And, um, and that might be like because the whole glamour thing is obviously that he suspects somebody's listening in on his conversations, and the most likely candidate is Marcus, and mm-hmm. and we see that that is the case. So that might be his reason for lying to everyone else too. Is not it? It doesn't. It doesn't have anything to do with them. It has right. to do with who else might be listening. Right, being listening in on. Yeah. Yep. Um. All right. Anything else about Harmony? She gets a reference. No, she, she's she off to leaves. She's split in town. Her next opportunity. Um, and and I don't. I I remember enough of after the fall, which is the comic. You know that follows this. Um, mm-hmm. That I remember most of the characters. I don't actually remember if she shows up or not, or if she does. If it's like. I don't, it doesn't, I don't remember it being significant if she does. So, yeah, like, she's one of the few characters I don't really remember what happens to Mm. after this particular story. So maybe that means she leaves town or something. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. I'd have to look that up while we're talking. Okay. Um, Well, while you do that, um, Gunn goes to uh, visit Annie, who's still uh fighting the good fight and you know has a it's nice it's a little on the nose the conversation they have kind of about um you know i don't i don't know why i'm sliding off on it i like it um you know this this sort of back and forth about what if i told you it doesn't help what would you do if you found out none of it matters, that it's all controlled by forces more powerful and uncaring than we can conceive, and they will never let it get and they will never let it get better down here. What would you do? I'd get this truck packed before the new stuff gets here. Um mm-hmm. and you know, guns just sort of wanna give me a hand? I do. Like just kind of chipper about it. Um, you know, and there's a nice kind of macrocosm microcosm mirroring there of you know the this feeling of hopelessness is common no matter whether you're talking about the forces of spiritual darkness and evil in the world um or the corporate kind of or moving furniture or moving furniture (laughs) you know at or or working you know, I've had some moves edit. that seem pretty endless and hopeless too. <laughs> yes, like just yes, physically moving the furniture, um, and like working in any sort of 
charity or, you know, social work, sure. things like that. Um, and then like in the middle, you know, you have the kind of corporate um, the evils, you know, that, uh, that Gunn has experienced with Wolfram and Hart, like all of these things are working, like operating on very different planes, but there's a common feeling of swimming against the tide of mm-hmm. forces that you can't control. And, yeah. you know, you, you can do what you can do and you can maybe influence and help the people immediately closest to you sometimes. But there's the the tide of time and inevitability that um, are going to keep kind of pressing on. Um, it's making me think of like, you know, the end of the Great Gatsby or something like, you know, boats against the current. Like there's nothing you can. Sure. It's like things are going to continue to roll along and all you can do is focus on your own sphere of influence of what you can immediately control and it's sort of an exercise in despair to imagine that you can kind of change you know the course of yeah the future or something i don't know i mean well so here's a question for you yeah is this the same as the long defeat because I kind of go back and forth with that because I, yeah. I think there are some elements that are similar, but like, I, I do think there's a certain, I, I, I almost want to say it's more nihilistic than sort of the Tolkienian idea, right? Because mm-hmm. like the Tolkienian idea, well, all of Tolkien's ideas are sort of infused with Catholicism of like, right. there's an eventual victory it's just we don't reach it on our own and so like as much as we fight like we're we're gonna continue fighting but like we're getting closer and closer to like mm-hmm. a final defeat you know and then god and jesus and mm-hmm. resurrection and all of that and that's like a whole different thing like this is obviously very much from Whedon's atheist existentialist mm-hmm. you know point of view of like right he doesn't have that same assurance of ultimate yeah spiritual without that victory. but yeah. but i think i mean but there's still that sense of like like you're never going to win but it's still worth it to mm-hmm. you know engage in the battle and fight for the good and the right and true and so uh, I think it's like, like maybe it's like 98% there mm-hmm. of like, you know, overlap or I don't, you know, I don't know what percentage you'd want to apply, but, yeah. but I do go back and forth of like, is there, is there a defining, is there some distinction that we can absolutely grasp mm-hmm. onto or is it a little more nebulous? Like, like if you just take that final bit out of it and maybe that's all it is maybe it's like okay well that's the distinction but Mm -hmm. i don't know i just i would i I asked you the question then i kind of went and answered it myself but um i I kind of always go back and forth between whether they're the same thing or close enough to the same thing or or yeah no i'm kind of rereading his little speech there and trying to see if i can pick on any words or concepts that are really like definitive of what makes this different if it is from Tolkien's idea of um 
No, I'd have to, I think I'd have to think about it a little bit more. I do think they're very similar. Um, I don't know. There's something, it could just be the way it's phrased. There is something a little more fully hopeless in the way Gunn talks about it here. Like the way he kind of says, um, it doesn't help. None of it matters. It'll never get better. Like those are very definitive statements. Um, whereas like, and maybe again, it's just a simple matter of how you phrase it and state it in the kind of language you use. But whereas like when they talk about the long defeat, like I get more of a sense of like something much more gradual and something like more like one step forward two steps back like there are kind of small victories it's just that over the, a long period of time there's a a gradual sort of decline in entropy and and fading away um which isn't necessarily exactly the same as saying um none of it matters you know what i mean sure but I mean, but it goes back to the to the quintessential quote of that the Russian woman, you know, said of right. you know, if nothing you do matters, then all that matters is what right. you do. Right. right. Like so right. it's that it is that like in the long run, like whether I, you know, choose to, you know, help a homeless person or, you know, go buy myself a steak, like in the long run, that doesn't necessarily matter but it matters mm -hmm. on the individual personal level of mm -hmm. you know interpersonal interaction and you know kind of what you're looking for in getting out of life and that kind of thing mm -hmm. and so and yeah like i'm not and i'm not saying that to disagree with you even because i i'm still not sure where i fall yeah on are they the same thing or not but i i agree like it does there does seem to be some kind of difference and i just have never been able to kind of put my finger Exactly yeah 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 and it could be that they're kind of in the same place but just leaning slightly different directions and that could just be based on ultimately are the people you know the creators coming from a place of ultimate um optimism in terms of there being like a higher not even a higher purpose but like ultimately is this a, a happy story or not um but even with tolkien you know it's like yes there's kind of belief and hope in ultimate spiritual victory but that's not necessarily true for the people on the ground doing the fighting you know like sure. if it's the elves experiencing the long defeat it's like well we believe in you know the ultimate victory of god and 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 humanity is ensure is assured of some sort of spiritual life after death but not necessarily the elves you know right. like they don't know what happens to them when the earth ceases to be so there's a there is a, there's a pretty strong similarity there to even if we believe that ultimately the outcome will be good is that necessarily going to be true for us as individuals yeah isn't a hundred percent assured um so i don't think it's just that like well Tolkien thinks that everything is going to be good in the end and there's not going to be any loss and sorrow like that's clearly not the case.
Um, so I, I, yeah, I think they're more similar than different, but yeah. And as much as Gunn says, none of it matters, you can't do anything, like you said, like, well, then there is this flip side of he can help her get the truck packed. And that's something, you know. Which he does. Which he does. So he even isn't fully as hopeless as he is presenting it, you know, in his speech even a minute earlier. Um, right. So it's, they're, you know, it's very kind of shaded and complicated. Um, after that, he heads over to, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, and right. he gets... This is going to take him. a long time to get just through each of these I know. people. Well, this is the bulk of it. Um, so, yeah, he goes, you know, he went and got in touch with, you know, his roots again. And then he goes to uh, take out the senator um, and her vamps. And he was hoping it would be vamps. So he gets to do some good old fashioned vampire right. slaying, which is um, which is fun. Um, and, you know, and there's even like a little smile, you know, to get back. He's kind of happy to get back into the fray a little bit. Um, you know, he's missed the hands-on stuff. And there's something like the vampires are fitting given that sort of his, his where he started as, you know, an it's evil fighter. Story, yeah. yeah. But also like, I feel like the, the slick human politician is also kind of a nice mirror of like the the gun that almost happened like you know gun like lawyer man gun in his suit i feel like there's sure. some commonality of like if if all of the targets are handpicked for their assassins in some way like I feel like mm -hmm. there's a nice affinity there of like send gun after the slick suited politician. That seems right. Like that's a demon he needs to slay, you know? <laughs> right. Um, get rid of the temptation to corporate and bureaucratic power, you know? Um, so yeah, having him take her out feels, feels right. Um, and should probably mention that he is he survives and makes it to the alleyway and is ready to keep fighting but has like what seems to be a pretty serious injury um yeah. which is you know notable for any potential future storylines like they don't leave it at all in a sure place of what happens to gun um so just wanted to point that out. Um, they definitely do close what happens with Wesley. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, before they get their assignments, um, I definitely wanted to point out that Wesley, you know, takes care of Illyria and, you know, goes out of his way to find the right supplies to um heal her and care for her and everything and um and he doesn't have a perfect day to go to he has no you know as he says no 
painting or drink or anything that's going to suddenly fulfill him in the last hours before the end of his life. Um, but given where things end with Illyria sort of, you know, coming to him as Fred, I do think it's kind of notable that for all intents and purposes, he chooses to spend his last day with Illyria, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he's transferring any feelings he had for Fred to Illyria, but there's still something connecting the two of them. Like there's still this sort of bond that neither of them can really understand or, um, you know, or shake. So. Yeah. Um, I mentioned earlier about his potential betrayal of Angel again. I like that he's vaguely offended by that. Right. <laughs> when they said like they they think someone's going to But he gonna... has his memories back now. Like, yes, yes. Like... <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not like shocked, but it's also like oh, of course, like it would be me. Um, you know, and I I, I do that was that kind of made me smile and they were like Angel's like they think someone's going to betray me. Actually, they think it's going to be Wes. And he's like, oh, great. Um, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, or that's not very flattering. That's what he said. Um, it's not very flattering, but, you know, kind of true. So they use that to get in with, get him in with the sorcerer, who is kind of hoping that he can get Wesley on his side, probably. Um, so I wish I felt like I knew more about the whole kind of magic duel that they have, like Mm. what exactly is, you know, not like in every technical detail, but I feel like I would have liked some more context of like, what is this flame that he's sort of conjuring in his hand and what was the idea like how was he planning on using that why doesn't it work like all that sort of thing um i don't know why i feel like it just sort of happens a little quickly and i wasn't quite sure um like is this a spell we're supposed to remember from earlier is this um i don't know yeah i don't think so i don't think that there's like a specific spell that like has been mentioned or seen at some point yeah i certainly don't remember seeing any spells like that but i could be wrong because i don't i i don't it's not like we've never seen wesley done magic he certainly has but i wouldn't necessarily and we've seen wesley fight his way out of some tight corners so it's not like i don't think he's capable but i also wouldn't necessarily think that you would expect him to just march straight up to a demon sorcerer and be able to take him in in that sort of face-to-face combat like that so it was a little bit like i was waiting for i don't know some more context or another layer to sort of make that make a little bit more sense but Mm -hmm. i don't know um it does not work very well um the sorcerer kind of wipes the floor with him a little bit. Um, 
you know, and even when you think like, oh, maybe Wesley's just trying to like get him closer so that he can get it. Like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work. And he stabs him. And ultimately it's Illyria who takes him out. Um, yeah. Who meanwhile has dispatched her demons. We don't even see the fight. She just off screen, like obliterates them, you know, like destroys the car and, you know, all four of them sort of in one fell swoop and then comes in and takes care of Wesley's sorcerer for him too. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know if there's, maybe there's nothing else to analyze about that, but there was just, I felt like I was some things I like, didn't under, know if I fully understood sort of the intention no. of what was happening. I mean, I mean, I know they're going in knowing they might not survive, but also I, I feel like you go in, like Wesley says, I intend to survive this day. So sure. what is your plan to survive? Yeah. And maybe, I mean, so again, with this episode, like there's probably, there's lots of places where you can kind of make certain things work, you know, and, you know, you just kind of have to add some stuff to it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like this is like, maybe, maybe one way you can resolve some of this is to say like, oh, well, this is Wesley just finding out that like, he needs to go kill this guy and maybe doesn't have a ton of time to research. Mm hmm you know, like, so maybe he doesn't really fully know what the guy is capable of or not capable of. And so he thinks this is going to work, you know, this particular magic, you know, spell or whatever is going to work. And he turns out just he's wrong. He, it doesn't work because mm -hmm. whatever reason, the yeah. guy knows deeper magic from before the <laughs> dawn of time or whatever. Right. And so I don't. Yeah, I don't think the particular magic has been brought up before or anything. I think it's just, yeah, Wesley goes in. He's kind of doing his, you know, confident rogue demon hunter routine, and it backfires. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it's backfired before. It's just hasn't been fatal before. Right. <laughs> so, like, right. that's the difference here. Right. Um, right. And also, so like, because some of this is, you have to wonder, like, so much of Angel and Buffy and all of Whedon shows are about the team working together. And that's not to say that we haven't seen, like, the team split up and take on different parts of a task before. But it is kind of interesting, like, in this episode, it's like, they're coordinated, but alone for the most part. Mm. Like they go off each to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. And there's moments like, you know, Connor helping Angel or, you know, Illyria coming in to help Wesley. But like, it's because they weren't together to begin with that like Wesley ends up dying, right? Like, and so like, there is that, or, you know, Gunn gets wounded because... He's the only one fighting mm -hmm. all of these vampires or whatever. 
And on the one hand, like, you want to say, well, like, yeah, like, if you're just all kind of gone and done this all together, then, you know, probably would have been fewer casualties. But on the other hand, like, the whole point is that they have to kind of all strike right. at once separately in order to get the people. So I, I don't mean to imply that they're not working together at all, because they mm -hmm. are. Like I said, there's a coordination, but it's it's not the same sort of group attack that they go in. And if there's anything we know in the Buffyverse, it's when you go off and do things alone, there's a higher likelihood that things will fail or something bad will go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, and that's part of the self-sacrifices. They know that since they're going in alone, that there is that greater likelihood and they're prepared to pay the price if that's what it comes down to. Um, sure. So in order to do what they need to do, they have to separate, which is the most dangerous thing they can possibly do. Um, yeah, and and it, you know, I think it's probably right narratively that at least somebody does pay that price for it. Like, you know, since they kind of make such a big thing of it, like it's kind of good to have that, have a consequence of some kind. Um, yeah. And given Wesley's, this sort of, tragedy of his storylines um mm -hmm. you know then i think there's a fittingness to it um and yeah and 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 he said like you know being with fred would be the only thing he could possibly think of that would be the the perfect thing before he dies so he you know through illyria he gets to do that um even though it's a lie um, which he right. knows and accepts and they're on the same page about that, you know, <laughs> um, that like, this is a fantasy. Um, yeah. You know. Oh man. I, I will. So I've admitted other moments throughout the Buffy verse where I've shed a tear or two and mm -hmm. that line of, you know, do you want me to lie to you now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like first time I heard that, man, whew, it just <laughs> hit you. It got you. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was one, um, oh, what was it that was kind of like disturbing too? Oh, when she says, um, uh, when, when she's as Fred saying, you know, you'll, you'll be where I am, then we'll be together. Um, knowing that if what we're told is true, Fred's like entire like essence was annihilated. Like it's not like she just died. She sure. was like so there's like that I found very like disturbing and upsetting. Like, you know, not just like the lie of, oh, it's not really her that he gets to see, but even just that there's this idea that there'll be some sort of reunion that um Right. You know, well, even if and that's part of the lie. Right, right. 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 I mean, presumably. Yes like even beyond the question of is there a reunion in in, in <coughs> an afterlife you know at, at all um even if you believe that like you still have to question that here because of the way that Illyria sort of took over fred um and you know the what, what we were told about pretty much 
obliterating her soul and, and her essence. So mm. um, that makes the lie like particularly kind of brutal, I think. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, that is, that's a very, very sad and effective, uh, an affecting ending for Wesley. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, it's, it's the damn you Whedon yeah, moment, yeah. right? But like also much higher stakes than any of the deaths in Buffy finale. I like, Anya. Yeah. I like her a lot. Yeah. But she's probably... The highest, she's probably the highest profile death, right? And I mean, considering that Spike comes back, then yes. Yeah, well, sure. At the time, I, right. I think you would have to give it to Spike, but in hindsight, like knowing that his That's story fair. Continues. I definitely wasn't considering him because I knew. <laughs> right. Right. So you're right. That's, that's a fair point. And I mean, we don't. Well, we'll talk about what happens after this episode in a bit. But, um, you know, the. Yeah, I wasn't considering Spike in there. So, I mean, I think those are. If you add him in there, but like. In terms of stakes, those are the two that are comparable to me. But, like, Like, Wesley is. I feel like for Buffy, like, it would have to be one of the, like, three Scoobies. Sure. Which, you know, it's not going to be Buffy. It would have to be, like, Xander or Willow who mm-hmm. dies, almost, you know, to be Wesley. Because it's, like, it's him, Angel, and Cordy. Like, mm-hmm. from early on. I mean, there's Doyle first. But, like, that's kind of mm-hmm. the trio for, like, the longest time. Mm-hmm. And then Gunn kind of comes in and, you know, they add others. But... Definitely, to me, that seems like a much higher, and and I would say, I would say, even if we do include Spike, I would still put Wesley as a higher stake, Hmm. Wesley and Angel as a higher stake than Spike and Buffy. Hmm. Not to say that, like, Spike doesn't become a crucial part of the team, but again, he's not that, I I don't, I feel like he doesn't quite fit the same Mm -hmm. space, but Hmm. maybe I'm just trying to save face, too, Hmm. so I don't know. (laughs) No, no. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I, I would think of them as similar in sort of size to me. And then that's it, not just size, but it's partly because they both occupied a similar space of ally, but not like ally, but, but who has had, there's reason to hold them at arm's length from the main group. You know, like, and I feel like in that way, Spike and Buffy and Wesley and Angel have, like, similar, I don't know. Like, not that their stories were the same, but they have a similar kind of role of, like, they're with us but not at the same time. Um, And, I mean, they are fully with them by the end. I don't think it's a question of their loyalty or their trustworthiness, but, like, that they've there have been times where they were outside the group or um you know i don't know that's why i and i think just in terms of like screen time and sort of presence in the show they just seem kind of more similar to me 
Um, That's fine. Yeah, but I, anyway, I didn't mean that to turn into a debate between sure. Spike and Wesley. Who's more I just, important, Spike? I just meant from a death perspective. It, yeah, yeah. Wesley's death feels like a much higher stake. Yeah. Um, but I admit I wasn't well, and, and thinking I, of Spike per se yeah, in yeah. there, mostly because he comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think Wesley's it's the stakes too because of his importance in the show but also like how the roots of how far back his storylines go like his relationship with Fred goes back like multiple seasons the question of his acceptance within the group goes back multiple seasons and everything and even like his original place in the group like when he comes in and he's like really goofy demon hunter you know rogue demon hunter guy um to kind of go from that to, you know, top three character in the show um, is like a pretty long and interesting trajectory. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, as far as that goes, I've always, I've said even before, I think I said way back when Wesley came into Buffy, you like, know, I told you, like, yeah. like, he's, his character arc is, I feel like the most interesting and, Mm -hmm. sort of the you know I don't, I don't know if the right word is but kind of the most convoluted and and whatever mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. yeah um um okay well i feel like we kind of talked about illyria with wesley so let's do lauren and Lindsay. um who yeah. shockingly are paired. We it, not really till the end do you realize that, but um, we have to kind of talk about them together. Um, so yeah, Lindsay is uh, invited to the team, so it would seem. Um, and there's kind of a seeming reconciliation between the two of them that you know Angel kind of says like. I, well, he literally says, I, I want you, Lindsay. He wants him on his team. <laughs> um, and that there's, you know, there's a place for him, like, here, you can kind of take over from the circle of the Black Thorn if we make it out of this, because I, you're somebody I know, and I might not trust you, but at least I know what you're capable of, and I can probably control you. And, you know, like, I'd rather have you as a figurehead than have these circle members um mm. and you know Lindsay, such a naive doofus actually kind of seems like really into the idea like right like look at me like oh i'm part of the team never thought i'd be saying that you know like yeah. he's actually like really taken with this whole idea um and has bought into the angel um you know help the helpless good guy kind of vibe a little bit um yeah but also like Lindsay the rebel of like fighting the power mm -hmm. that be you know to you know take over in, mm -hmm. a, in his own way right like yeah yeah um yeah and then you know, he has his sort of last day with Eve. Should have listened to Eve a little bit more than he did. Um, Eve's got her misgivings. Um, and, um, you know, 
Nah, as long as I'm fighting on his side, I'll be fine. <laughs> it's all Don't good. Worry Don't it. worry about it. Um, just wait for me. I'll meet you after. Um, and uh, yeah, so he takes out his demons, his like hookabar demons, whoever they are, um, only to be kind of trailed by Lorne. So I guess let's loop back and mention that Lorne's assignment is to back up Lindsay um and Lauren throughout the episode I mean Lauren throughout the last several episodes has you know just given off like this vibe of just defeat and weariness mm. and you know gloom like this is just not none of this is what he signed up for or wants or wants to be a part of, but he's been sort of stuck in it. Um, so, and, and you don't really know exactly what specifically it is that he's objecting to in this episode quite yet. Cause of course, Angel and he kind of keep it quiet. Um, but he says, you know, one way or another, this is his last assignment. He's not, he's not meeting them in the alley and he's not coming back. Um, you know, even to Wolfram and Hart, should they win, um, or to Team Angel, should they win? Like, even if everything goes great and they win and survive, I think the idea is that this is the last they're going to see of Lauren, um, which is a bummer. Um, and then he goes and kills Lindsay for Angel, mm -hmm. which sucks. Like, yeah. Look, I'm all for the team spirit. <laughs> Pitching in, it's good. But Lauren's a gentle soul, and mm -hmm. it's upsetting that Angel has him do this, you know, and that he goes through with it. Like, I mean, it's Lindsay. Like, I don't really, it's not like I mourn for Lindsay per se. Um, and I kind of get a kick out of the, uh, his like indignation in the way that he's killed, like, you know, oh, you know, angel kills me. You don't kill, like, you know, he's still obsessing over angel, even in his sort of dying breath yeah. and like, which is kind of funny in a dark sort of way. Um, but like, well from Lauren's perspective, that's a very sad ending for the character, sure. I think. Sure. L yes. And yeah, like Lindsay's uh, sort of exhortations there, right? Of, you know, you don't kill me, Angel kill me. Like, I mean, that's been Lindsay's thing all along, right? Is believing that he was more important than he actually was yeah and kind of in this instance you know setting up his uh or or trying to set himself up as like angel's nemesis which when you think about it is exactly what angel's playing on like that's right. what he yeah. knows will get Lindsay involved is if he kind of pushes him up to be like oh you could be the next big bad basically right, right? right. and so yeah really kind of choose him in but also 
So what's interesting about that is, so does Angel have him killed because that could actually be true? Hmm. Or is it just because like he doesn't want to have to deal with him and that possibility at some point? Like, does Angel actually think Lindsay could become as powerful as being like the next big bad? Or do you think it's more like maybe he would never become that powerful, but he's also, you know, bad enough that it's worth kind of taking him out at the same time? I I think more the latter. Um, I think that Lindsay, it's more about like what he's done, not even his potential for, for more. Like I don't get the sense that he's some great looming threat that we have to make sure we neutralize for the future because the whole vibe throughout the episode is like, don't worry about the future. Let's do what we can right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think it's like he's worried about the power vacuum and, and Lindsay of all people is going to step in and, and become a threat later on. I think it's more like Lindsay's done enough petty damage and he's annoying enough to just, let's just get like, get rid of him. Like we've probably should have done it. A long time ago um and it's more about the things like their history of you know irritation and animosity than it is about Lindsay like being i don't know i don't i never thought of it as like making sure that Lindsay doesn't become a big bad in the future um like i think that the the smallness and the pettiness of it is kind of more the point. Um, Like as long as we're taking out some of these key players might as well do Lindsay too. It's sort of, (laughs) that's more the vibe I get from it. Yeah. I don't know. If you're you're going to the store, could you pick me up? Yes. As well. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. That's, I mean, that's sort of, I don't know. I don't know if you agree, but that's the that's the impression that I have. Yeah, I don't. Again, I think it's one of those things where you could make up a couple of different mm-hmm. scenarios to kind of fit in. I Lindsay certainly caused a fair amount of trouble in this season with his hiding from the senior partners and you know whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Could he ever rise to the level of a big bad? I. I kind of suspect not to, but like, why take that chance? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So maybe that's like Angel's stance on that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. All Um, right. Anything else about Lorne? It's just a bummer. No, he is. It's just a big fat bummer. Yeah, good night, folks. Uh, It is. Because the others like have the satisfaction of the good fight, right? Mm. You know, and like, and even Wesley, who dies, knew that that was a possibility and chose it and has, I think there's some, like, I don't know, like nobility in the way that things sort of work out for the rest of them. Whereas Lorne is the one who I think ends up 
doing what he doesn't want um, or believe in. And he does it out of loyalty, I guess, you know, like commitment to Angel and the vision, but that's as far as he can go. And then he's out. And of all people, Lauren knows people's paths. So like, Mm-hmm. Does he know how much of a necessity it is? Like, may- mm-hmm. like maybe Lauren is the best to know of like what Lindsay is capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And so, like, maybe there's that aspect, but also like, and I'm just spouting out like fandom theory, I guess. Mm-hmm. But like, how much of his own path does Lauren know? Right. Like, does he know that, like, this is where he's been kind of going? Or at least in the near future, like, could that be the reason for his sort of melancholy of mm. knowing what's coming up even maybe before Angel, like, yeah. knows or tells him what he's doing? Yeah. Um, kind of like uh, Cassie, is it? Like, who sees mm-hmm. her own death in mm-hmm. Buffy? Um, so, yeah. I Like... Again, we don't get enough to make a definitive statement on any of those things, but I feel like any of those could potentially explain some of the way he feels and acts. Yeah. Yep. Um, All right, let's finish with Spike. Um, Open mic night. It's wonderful. (laughs) You know, William's poetry, we have to come back to it. Um, it's, It's great. I love that, like, he's in the bar, like, drinking, drinking. and, like, and you like, think that's his there's an insinuation <laughs> that, like, it's this rough bar, and he's right. out spoiling for a fight, and right. Right. all this, and, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's really rough out there, and he's yeah. like, well, I gotta, you know, prepare, and all yeah. this, and you're yeah. just, like, expecting to see him in, like, a brawl or something, no, no, no. he's doing... Yeah. He's doing it's like bloody awful poetry. Like kind of like but but he like it's like beat performance poetry right, right. almost, right? Yeah. Like right. It's like yeah. spoken word poem. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's the same poem. Yeah. It's the same exact poem that he's that has he's what like 150 years or whatever that he's been. oh is it the same one like even the, the lyrics i'm pretty sure that's it's the funny. cecily poem because he says it's for, yes, cecily. He's for cecily right and then the next one is about the wanton love of his mother yeah well yeah yeah i i'm almost positive it's the same poem okay um that's really funny i haven't looked it up but uh but everyone cheers this time right like that's the thing is like yeah. he's he finally figured out like maybe it was all in the delivery before right he found um, his his like genre um yeah yeah so no it's that's a great callback yeah yeah of course yeah his happy place is uh going back to his romantic roots um and i mean that theme continues like of all of them like yeah spike gets to kind of fight and kill the brethren but really he's the one whose job is not really about killing it's about saving saving you know it's about like yes he he kills in the service of that but it's about rescuing the the, this baby from the fell brethren so that kind of does go with this romantic champion streak in the spike story you know 
um sure. you know all the rest of them are assassins whereas he's this um you know this champion for good so that's kind of an interesting choice um and it's also oh, funny when that's... he's like oh sorry go ahead no i was just gonna say that i actually did i say this about lauren the the other thing is that like all of the all of the others except angel with sebastus right because that's kind of like backhanded with poisoning the you know mm-hmm. uh whatever you call that guy um his drink all of them are like straight on fighting like they show up face to face you know they're like malcolm reynolds duels right you know if if i kill you you'll be facing me and you'll have a weapon and like all like except lauren right it's a total sucker mm-hmm. punch and except maybe angel's poisoning of the other guy but that's like as you noted that was sort of like an aside to like get to uh marcus right right so it's kind of like that's not even that's not like the main duel even right that's, like that's a red the pre-game yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh fight so but lauren's the only one that's like actually a betrayal and right, and like right. a backhanded right you know right and lauren's not the fighter so he's not gonna win in face-to-face no yeah combat. like if he you know, telegraphed this is the only way to do it yeah if he telegraphed his intentions at all then Lindsay would wipe him you know wipe the floor with him. right 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 so which again i think is necessary if he's going to do it, but also contributes to the sense of melancholy and gloom about Lauren. So like, mm-hmm. not only does he have to kill, which he doesn't like or want to do, but he has to do it in a dirty underhanded way in order for it to be successful, which right. can't feel great. Um, no, sure like, cause not. it's like, if, if you have to kill someone, you'd at least like it to be fair. And, you know, noble, and it's like, no, the only right. way you're getting out of this successfully is if you do it in in an underhanded way. Um, yeah. Boo. Sorry, I didn't mean to necessarily no, take it's backwards, fine. but no, I, that, I mean, I, kinda... remember, I was thinking that, and then we kind of got on to some other aspect of Lauren and I I yeah. just remembered it when we were talking about Spike of, and you know kind of his yeah he does fight the fellow brethren but it's only to get the baby it's mm-hmm. not like fighting the fellow brethren isn't actually the purpose per se right right yeah and ironic that like yeah Lauren is the one sent to kind of stab someone in the back whereas you have Spike fighting the doing the the noble champion thing of like go rescue this baby from the clutches of evil demons like you know there's there's irony to the final sort of endpoints of the characters um that aren't in the places where you necessarily thought they would end up being um and yeah i think spike is still concerned with his role of champion he asks angel at the end when when we get through this does one of us get to be a real boy Angel, who are you kidding? We're not making it through. And Spike says, well, as long as it's not you. So there's, again, that question that they still, even post signing away the contract, you know, 
I think Spike is still asking that question of who does the prophecy belong to and could it still potentially apply to him? Sure. Although he does note that he does not want anything to do with amulets or jewelry or bracelets or rings right. of any kind. He's learned his lesson. Yes. Um, okay. So I guess let's talk about that ending. And then I did have some kind of other lingering questions about season five that I wanted to loop back into. Um, so we end with what seems to be the apocalypse that we were promised, um, like the capital A apocalypse where there's hordes and millions of demons and monsters and dragons and all sorts of, you know, fell beasties coming at them. Um, and ends right there in the middle of a cliffhanger, um, you know, with the fight just beginning, apparently, um, and seemingly hopeless odds. So that is a choice. Um, so I don't remember if you've said, um, did they think when they wrote or produced the episode, like the ending, that there was a chance of there being more? Or did they know for sure that um, this was going to be their their definitive endpoint? Yeah. If I, we even know that. I I have to suspect that by the time they wrote these last two episodes that they were aware that it would be the end. Mm -hmm. I don't know that for sure and I'm not entirely clear on the time frame mm -hmm. of when they knew what. Um, they, they announced like the WB network announced um, that Angel was not being renewed in February. Mm -hmm. And so this aired uh, May 19th. So like, you know, were they still, were they still like producing new episodes then? But also like, just cause that's when the WB announced it doesn't necessarily mean that Joss and team didn't know sooner. Right. Like, and in fact, one of the uh, one of the one of the things that came out was that like apparently Joss was requesting some kind of early renewal for the seat, like you know before I guess the WB network. Had, you know, was ready to kind of announce their slate of renewals and whatever. Like, apparently Joss had requested that. And so the cancellation, according to David Fury, the cancellation was because Joss sort of insisted on them giving him an answer now rather than waiting <laughs> to know. And so, I, again, like, this is all sort of pieced together. I don't I don't know if that means that like 
would there have been something different if like like was Joss just trying to figure out like which ending to write kind of thing Mm -hmm. and maybe we would have gotten most of this story but with a different twist or a Mm -hmm. different ending had it gone you know differently for him but I I don't I don't know because like I don't I don't actually know the timing of right the exact timeline yeah um so yeah. Yeah. I do know, like, but for example, was, like. This, it doesn't sound like this was written thinking we're going to be back working on the next season in a few months. You know, this is. Um, it, it, was I mean, an, it, it was an intentional sort of ending on, in Meteores, basically. Yeah. So, like, based on what Joss has said, and I'm trying to find the quote here that I had. So, um, the ending is definitely written as an ending because mm-hmm. like, because there's that idea of it like being a cliffhanger and actually, you know, think, talking about like, like, so let's talk reception for a moment. Like a lot of people were, were upset <laughs> that this is how it ended. Sure. And at least at the time, although over time it's become actually praised quite a bit and whatever, but you know, a lot of people were upset. Like, uh, you know, so e e news uh entertainment news right uh says you know that was the best first half of a season finale ever what happened <laughs> to part two you know it's like okay well whatever and then you know other critics have sort of like echoed similar you know comments of you know like oh okay like we don't actually get to see the fight or see how things turn out joss took exception to that because his he says that um that you know this wasn't uh meant to be like a buffy finale where there's sort of a definitive you know like okay sunnydale's destroyed whatever. i mean even that like the final words are like okay what do we do next and then it's like right. oh, okay oh, well we have a... season eight but right you, you know like even buffy right. there's a finale, hell in there's cleveland like openings for you know other stuff but it's it's pretty like the entire town's destroyed the hellmouth's closed you know like things are pretty well wrapped up at least in sunnydale you know uh joss says you know and with, with angel he, he says uh we're definitely still in the thick of it the point of this show is that you're never done no matter who goes down the fight goes on um and that redemption is something you fight for every day and so he wanted them to go out fighting, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to the claim that people call it a cliffhanger, he, he says, are you mad? Don't you see that this is a final statement? <laughs> so so for him, this definitely is an ending to mm-hmm. the show. Yes, like diegetically, the characters go on and do things or whatever. But mm-hmm. like from a storytelling perspective, like. Like how do you how you end a story where the point of the story is that you have to keep fighting always until mm-hmm. you can't anymore? I mean, so you could end with like Angel's death, but like that seems kind of I don't know anticlimactic. If again the whole if the story's about an immortal being who always continues fighting no matter the odds, right? Like right. ending on his on death to kill seems him in, like, in the end, yeah, you know, right. kind of silly, right? But um. Yeah, and and uh, David Cherry said 
similarly, like, you know, it's, uh, you know, that the central theme of Angel is that the fight never ends. You can't ever win, but the fight is worth fighting. You know, the pro- you know he's, he says, any proper resolution of, oh, we've defeated the demons, they've gone back to hell, let's go get a beer, would be wrong for the show. And mm-hmm. it just didn't make sense to do something like that. So that combined with knowing that, like, Josh sort of pressed for an answer on whether or not, you know, the show was going to continue. And the fact that, like, it was announced several months earlier that the show wasn't going to continue mm-hmm. seems to me like they, you know, put together this final episode or two pretty quickly and, mm-hmm. you know, meant it as an ending to the show. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, my criticisms of sort of the Blackthorn kind of coming up out of nowhere aside. I think it works really well, to be honest. I mean, I really like Not Fade Away in particular mm-hmm. because I, one, I think it does just, I think it does what is very hard. And I don't even know if Buffy quite did this as well, even of giving adequate shrift to all of the, you know, main characters. Mm-hmm. Like, because there's a lot of characters by this point, you know. Angel, Wesley, Gunn, Illyria, Spike, uh, even Harmony, you know, like, did I miss any there? Probably. Cause I wasn't Lauren and Lindsay. Notes. Lauren and Lindsay. I mean, Lauren at least. I mean, Lindsay's, yeah. you know, whatever. But, um, like, it's hard to give them all equal weight, if not equal time exactly, and make it feel like, they mm-hmm. all get kind of their due. And I mm-hmm. think it does it really well and doesn't end on a sort of cheesy, you know, whatever. Like there's some hard deaths and there's mm-hmm. some, you know, other casualties, but then there's also the, you know, the fight must go on. And that's mm-hmm. what we've been saying all along. Like no matter how bad things get, keep fighting. And, right, and right. so, and like they do the the point about them going off alone aside like the hero shot which i think we've been seeing in the credits right for a while haven't we or maybe am i just mm. am i misremembering that um what that hero the, the hero shot at the end of of the group of well whoever's left at the end of them just like looking down the alley at all the... Oh, I haven't noticed that, but maybe I just missed it. Maybe not. It's it's an iconic shot. I feel like I see it all over the place, so maybe I'm maybe it's not in the credits. But, sure, sure. Um, the just that shot of like them, you know, Angel, Illyria, uh, Gun, Spike. Spike, thank you. I keep forgetting Spike. Uh, you know, all just kind of looking, you know, there together of, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. It, like that's that's the thing too. Is they're they're together now. They're a team again. Like mm-hmm. they're you know a team, and they're gonna fight. And you take the thirty thousand on the left, and right. uh, which which is also a callback um, to the Pylea stuff gun mm. says something very similar of it's not 30,000 it's like you take the 20 on the right and I'll mm-hmm. or whatever that's right um, yeah I do remember that now 
so um it is kind of a callback to that yeah but, yeah uh anyway the the yeah again i can't answer like was you know sure sure, sure. at what point did they know exactly no but i my my real question which i think you did answer is this is meant as a definitive statement to mm-hmm. as an ending for the show like if they had been renewed would they have continued it yes probably but they at least got a chance to end the story in some right. fashion it wasn't like they were cut off mid-sentence um they at least got to complete their thought um right. and in, intentionally ended it in media rest i think um that seems to be joss's argument is that it was always going to end that way even if they had planned it that way years in advance we would still have advanced to a place where our final kind of point that we're making is that the story continues and the fight goes on um so like yeah we can quibble about the black thorn and was that given enough time to develop but I could still be see it being that even if you had a whole season to play out that storyline, it could still have ended in a very similar place um, with, you know, the apocalypse starting and the guys going to go fight the good fight. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, right. And obviously we'll never. Right. We're never. No. We're never like, told what would have happened. What's going to happen. But but I could definitely see whether there's the black thorn or not, I could definitely see like, yeah, maybe this season ends with an apocalypse and it's like, that's the start to the next season of like literally everything, you know, changing. Mm-hmm. Um, which you haven't seen dollhouse, right? I've so not. Like, no. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Um, you know that sort of thing is a thing that shows do too sometimes right maybe it's not apocalypse but maybe it's like you jump five years into the future Mm -hmm. or you know you do whatever and it's a way to keep things fresh or Mm -hmm. you know change things up a bit Mm -hmm. um yeah that's you know it is what it is but yeah uh yeah so I could definitely see it still ending that way. I could also see it like maybe they had a completely different ending for the season where it's like, we're just going to introduce this idea of the Blackthorn and then season six becomes the Blackthorn season. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and that's, there's much more of a buildup, you know, but that's where we get to the apocalypse by the end of season six, of, mm-hmm. you know, with this whole Blackthorn. And yeah. who's to say that that would have dragged out and been, boring and you mm-hmm. know maybe not the best either like i i don't mean to be too critical because i think for what it where it ends i do think the black thorn thing works for what it is mm-hmm. it's just it does feel like it would have been nice to get a few like bad wolf hints that mm-hmm. black thorn existed earlier on in the season yeah if yeah. if that's where we were kind of heading mm-hmm. um but but to your point, like you're right that they at least brought in like characters we've seen, you know, as clients or whatever of mm-hmm. Wolf on Heart previously. So it's not like completely surprising 
that like there's this group out there because we know they're already connected and yeah you know right and when this when our characters go to kill or be killed by them it feels a little more personal because it's you know bad guys that you've met before and there's a little more stakes and investment in who they are like we know a little bit about them we know a little bit about their powers and the things that they've done and everything so i think that helps mitigate it a little bit um so (laughs) we've talked a long time about the episode we have we have um so let's kind of transition to season five and then the kind of larger series and i don't maybe we don't need to go in as extensively as we did with buffy because this is kind of an offshoot of buffy in a way like this is you know part of the buffy verse um so uh but i do kind of want to at least mention i don't i think this is all kind of getting into headcanon territory so it's not something we need to speculate about but i want to kind of resolve some of these dangling questions and arcs that we had throughout season five, because I felt like there's a, a bunch of things that we kept saying, Oh, we'll come back to this in the, in the final episode, once we know everything and see if we have any definitive sort of takes, because we kind of talked about the Chanshu prophecy and the champion thing already. Um, we talked about the circle of the black thorn and the senior partners and the, well, and, you know, and maybe I can cover, cause like some of this, let me say this. Other than Fred's death, which I think is a quote true death, like yes. I don't, I don't think Fred ever comes back in any of the yeah things that we know. Yeah, everything else gets mentioned right, right uh, later in the comics. Right, right. So the Shanshu prophecy comes back. Uh, we right. still, at least in after the fall. Now, so because there's like. All right, so comic-wise, there's Angel After the Fall, um, which comes immediately. Well, I mean, like, there might be a little bit of time passing, but, like, basically picks up where you leave off, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, like, uh, Buffy and... uh, Sorry, uh, not Buffy. uh, Angel and Faith, Mm -hmm. which is, like after after the after the fall stuff mm-hmm. and and after buffy season eight it gets kind of weird because angel shows up in buffy season eight which i think takes place after sure. technically after the fall so there like some of the i'm not i don't 100 percent remember the exact timing but i anyway all that to say that like shanshu prophecy comes back up as far as I remember, it's still not resolved. Like, you know, nobody, none of the vampires become human. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. So, like, like there's still Angel the Vampire. There's still Spike the Vampire. There's actually a Spike after the fall, like, mini series do that mm-hmm. kind of covers stuff. And so that's all still there. We Like, as far as resolution goes, it, it's not. It's so, not resolved. And So another thing was... I feel like the main, because the Circle of the Black Thorn does come up kind of 
quite late at the end. I would say that the main sort of story of the season and the kind of theme of the season is this, you know, decision and the fallout of the decision to work for Wolfram and Hart and the um, their ongoing sort of anxiety about living in the gray areas and the compromises that they're making to to have any sort of authority or effectiveness in the world and then in but in doing so giving up you know their integrity and and parts of themselves and their mission and everything so i'm curious after this like in the comics um to what extent is wolfram and hart part of the story um is it like they're done is this their the end of their involvement with it or how does that sort of continue and shake out into the future? Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like that is still somewhat unresolved. Like totally, you know, that's, that's a le- that's a dangling what, thing that's left at the end of the season. Yeah. What you learn is that what happens at the end of like, so, you know, the end of this episode, there's this horde of demons and monsters and, dragons and whatever what happened is that rather than like hell opening up and spewing forth its evil creatures la actually got transported to hell because the senior partners were angry at angel for killing all of the blackthorn people sounds right and that's the that's what happened so and to jump forward even further, like, then at some point, basically, all that gets reversed. So, like, the whole after the fall, like, arc is basically, like, to reset things, which is why the timing gets kind of weird in places, too. Right, so, right, right. Um, anyway, right. all that to say that, like, yeah, like, at the end of this episode, they're actually, like, in hell, basically, because the entire city was transported there. Um, Gun becomes a vampire. Whoa. So that happens. Uh, Wesley shows up as basically like we've seen like Holland Manners and Lila uh, mm-hmm. as a contract employee, a dead contract employee of Wolfram and Hart. Oh, that sucks. Um, so, yeah. Uh, all of the others have their roles. Illyria, even Lauren shows up again. So mm-hmm. like this isn't technically the last time we see Lauren, although sure, like sure, sure. He he's he he's more of a neutral party mm-hmm. after this. Like he's definitely not like part of Angel team or anything. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, I mean with Gunn becoming a vampire, like he also is not part of Angel's team or whatever. And so huh. um again, like I don't I don't remember all of the storylines and I I probably should have like gone back to reread everything but um yeah there's like there's some new things oh by the way but like does angel stay does team angel stay as like running wolfram and heart la well no because like they're in hell okay like it's it's pandemonium nobody has jobs okay yeah it 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 is a a reset of like everything and there's like different alliances and different but but like nina the werewolf comes back and Mm -hmm. she's like a good 
influence and or mm-hmm. a good she's on the good side uh, we, uh gwen comes back again mm-hmm. um so we do get like mm-hmm. other people coming back and kind of whatever but yeah like it definitely is a shake-up in sort of alliances and mm-hmm. you know i mean you know gun becoming because like that happens I, I don't remember how long the sort of break is but like like you, there's things that are told kind of in flashback, right? You right. know, between like the end of the episode and where they are in the comics and stuff. But yeah, like I mean, Wesley Wesley is an employee of Wolfram and Hart as like a ghost, and if I remember correctly, he's like a dejected ghost because like he doesn't want to be, but he's like contractually bound, right? Kind right. of thing, you yeah. know. Um, you know, and Gun's a vampire, so he's soulless and evil, and you know, whatever. Wait. So, um, how does Lauren, or how does Gun become a vampire? Like he uh, drinks, the same presumably. Other, but like, I do. have a hard time imagining him making that choice. I don't. Yeah, I don't. So, I mean, maybe I need to go read it. it. Is the, the I, conclusion? I honestly don't remember the specifics, but yeah, I've got a copy. I can let you borrow it. <laughs> like, <laughs> or you know, whatever. But. um yeah, so I mean, you know, the stories continue, and then they, you know, get returned at some point, and you know that particular apocalypse is over. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the other like, is there? Can you have a big A apocalypse in an atheist existentialist world? You know, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, what does that even mean? Well, because it, like the... it like continues yeah. to be one thing after the next after right. the next. The, I feel like whatever apocalypse we're currently approaching is always going to be the big A apocalypse. Right. But then you get through that and there's always another one behind it that suddenly becomes the biggest thing you've ever dealt with. Like, um, you know, that's sort of how this, how this works. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, I don't think I've not read Angel and Faith, which is like the next. I don't know what would it be season seven, I guess technically. Although they aligned it with Buffy season nine, so like on all of the comics, it says season nine, so it's like weird because mm. it's like I guess time wise aligned with Buffy season nine. But I've not read that, so I don't know, like, where it goes after that. But that implies to me that, like, it's now Angel and Faith who team up mm-hmm. and not, like, you know, running Wolfram and Hart would be mm-hmm. the implication there. But I've not read it, so I can't actually mm-hmm. comment much yeah. on that yeah. particular storyline. Um, hmm. But, yeah, that's it. Uh, I, you know... I'm sure there are plenty of folks out there who could do a better job describing what happens after that. Um, like I said, I meant to sort of, or I probably should have gone back and revisited, you know, to some degree, but you know, I did. <laughs> um, no, it's more just kind of wanting to run through like what, what are those continuations that, you know, me or yeah. others can oh. go and check them out if, if we're interested. So what I was going to say, though, um, Angel and the dragon um, end up becoming friends. 
Oh, how nice. Uh, and he names her Cordelia. Oh, so, yeah. lovely. Um, yeah. And, and they do, if I remember correctly, they kind of go around fighting evil together at some point or other. Nice. Nice. Um, so, yeah. Nice. Um, cool. So, <laughs> yeah, we're like approaching the two hours. We're approaching mark. our two hours. I feel like we jumped all over the place in terms of like our season five slash series recap outline. Um, so we don't necessarily need to hit every single solitary. Yeah, thing. no. Um, and I was gonna say like so. Want to mention you know the not fade away and smile time from season five both got. Hugo Award short form nominations. Mm -hmm. um, probably alongside what what would have you know is this early? Yeah, because this is like what two thousand four, two thousand five now. So we're talking early BSG at this point, right? Probably alongside that. Mm -hmm. uh, was Doctor Who being nominated? Just starting. Yeah, so maybe it missed it by like a year, but. But yeah. just about getting started. Um, so maybe I I didn't look up the what it, what the, they were aligned with, but um, along with waiting in the wings, which was from season three, uh, that those are kind of the Hugo awards. There, um, actors uh, won Saturn awards. So David Boreanaz for like three of the five seasons won Best Actor in a TV Series. Um, James Marsters won Best Supporting Actor. Amy Acker won Best Supporting Actress, um, each in 2004. Um, bunch of other nominations from different uh, groupings of awards. Uh, International Horror Guild, Satellite Awards. Um, got some, like, Teen Choice and choreography you know american choreography awards and that kind of stuff hairstylist mm -hmm. makeup and all that kind of thing um that was nominated for so yeah um just wanted to mention those real quick uh cultural impact we kind of mentioned like <laughs> we keep coming back to the russian woman who quoted it because like that went viral at one point but honestly like it's hard to I think you said this earlier, like it's hard to suss out the cultural impact of Angel specifically, you know, mm -hmm. as right. opposed to like Buffy. It's right. It's Apart kind from of the Buffy like verse, tied yeah. into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As part of the Buffy verse. I, I would say if anything, probably just, ha you know, giving David Boreanaz a great career to work off of. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he's I, and, done very I, well for himself. And I mean, and others. I mean, Amy Acker shows up in mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Right, right now in The Gifted, right, and she's been in a bunch of other stuff uh, mm -hmm. since then. Um, <clears throat> Alexis Denisoff. Uh, so I mean, he uh, for for me the most notable thing is where he shows up in How I Met Your Mother. Mm -hmm. alongside his wife Allison uh Hannigan mm -hmm. so uh you know that's always fun and great and he plays a 
a, a very egocentric uh, newscaster mm-hmm. in that, which is always fun. But he's showed up in other stuff too. Um, Grim, uh, trying to think, there was something else I saw him in. I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly nothing as sort of like steady as playing Wesley Wyndham Bryce, but mm-hmm. uh, lots of lots of fun stuff there. Um, yeah, so from a cultural impact perspective, it, it's more like those actors and the where are they now kind of thing. Um, talking about the where are they now, I mean, so we talked about um, uh, Doyle, Glenn, uh, last name's escaping me at the moment, and kind of his problems. And, and of course, he passed away as a result of some of his drug issues and whatever. Um, the other sort of sad story out of all of this, of course, is Andy Hallett. Mm-hmm. who played Lauren, um, who uh, had, had uh, basically may have been during even like the last season or so. Um, oh, no, it was, it was after. So uh, according to his Wikipedia page, about a month after filming the last episode of Angel, he had a dental infection, which got into his bloodstream and sort of caused problems um, with his heart and circulation and stuff and went for several years having those problems had a bunch of hospitalizations and eventually died um, in 2009 at the age of 33 um, yeah. so very sad they actually ended up um, doing a special uh, like book length issue of the Angel comics like all about Lauren as kind of a mm-hmm. tribute to him and, and all of that um so uh yeah he 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 did a few other things um while doing angel and maybe right right after um but nothing like extremely notable from a acting perspective um but yeah so yeah. no that's really sad um yeah pretty pretty disheartening um so yeah, moving on from there, I don't, you know, some of the others, obviously, um, Vincent Carthizer went on to do Mad Men. And I know, actually, he came and, out of it very successful. Uh, um. You know, uh, definitely, yeah, definitely came out of that one, maybe even more successful. So actually, uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was, um, I so I, so this was in 2002, kind of during, but uh I don't. I can't remember who mentioned this at the time, or maybe when Buffy was happening. But Amber Benson uh, directed a low-budget film that had a bunch of Buffyverse uh, people in it, um, including Andy Hallett and James Marsters, um, one or two others. And I can't remember who off the top of my head. Uh, but um, oh, David Fury was in it as like a pizza delivery guy, mm-hmm. um, and so. Yeah, like that's fun, you know. Um I don't know beyond those that I've mentioned. Um well Christian Kane has done a number of things. Um mm-hmm. Leverage, he's in that librarians show or films or whatever they are, like the T V movies. Mm-hmm. Um and has done some other stuff there. Uh Trying to trying to 
go back through the list of actors here <laughs> and I'm, I lost my list. Um, oh, J. August Richards gun uh, show, has shown up in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and has done some other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Marster. So I I don't know acting wise what he's done. So he's he's in a Marvel um, and Torchwood. show. And oh, and Torchwood, of course. Torchwood, I mean, yes. for what a few episodes or a season or something, um, you know. But yeah, uh, he's in um, Marvel's Runaways now, uh, right? Which is the like uh, not CW, but like one of those like teen channels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is that and, a Hulu uh, show? I think it's what's a Hulu, that? I think it is it a Hulu show. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, I think that's why I don't get it because I don't usually. I think you're right. I think it is Hulu, and and uh, but I I mean also he's done a lot of voice work, so like he narrated all of the Dresden Files audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I um, think I knew that. that. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, he also showed up in Arrow, um, so he's been in both the Marvel and the DC uh, universes, um, and uh, yeah has done a number of things oh wait no is it is it arrow that he was in now i'm now i'm second guessing myself am i confusing him with someone else now i gotta look it up see i thought i could look it up. no worries oh no he, he wasn't an arrow i must have been thinking of someone else oh it's because you said torchwood of course john barrowman is an oh. arrow. <laughs> that's that's what like I, I got him confused for a second. Right, 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 right. Um nope. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, so I I mean he's been in um some of the oh apparently was in Caprica, which I haven't seen, so I didn't realize that. I did um, watch Caprica, but now I I can't remember him in it. Uh he was in like four episodes. I don't hmm. was that only was it only one season or I think so. It? Yeah, it was only one. Um He's been in some other stuff, you know, Supernatural, uh, Smallville. Oh, I guess Smallville he was in several mm-hmm. episodes. Um, and that that looks like, yeah. Hmm. But anyway, so, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think that's most of them, if uh, mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Glenn Quinn, by the way. Glenn so, Quinn, that's right. Then, that's right. The surname I was trying to think of. Um, and Charisma Carpenter hasn't done a lot that I'm aware of mm-hmm. since Angel either. I mean, I I know like there's some, been some movies and stuff, and I think we kind of talked when she left the show about sort of mm-hmm. her willingness maybe to work with Joss again, but mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of issues there. Yeah, I don't know if that had anything to do with anything, but sure. Um, yeah. yeah you wouldn't you know you have to at least wonder um these days if that affects your like if you have a, a falling out with a major creator does that kind of influence your your, your career trajectory afterwards um mm-hmm. yeah i mean she you know again she's sort of had some like single episode type things um oh she did actually sorry i forgot um she did have um a show 
as a host uh, called Surviving Evil, where she talked about her own experiences with assault and kind of, um, I guess, each episode of that show was kind of like different people kind of describing their mm-hmm. uh, survival stories, really, um, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, I've, not, I've not watched it, but that's uh, something that she kind of put together based on her own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that's the where are they now slash cultural impact portion. Um, I guess really kind of the last piece that we have to, not have to, but, you know, typically have been doing. And so we we might as well not stop at this point is to just kind of talk about real quick our favorite episodes and why we like them. Um, sure. We don't have to go into terrible detail because we've already talked about them. But yeah. Um, bringing up for uh yeah this final season what which what's your pick i mean Uh, i went the completely obvious easy route of smile time um i i and if you hadn't i would have sure i feel like it needs to be in there um and partly that's not totally fair because i really did i the last season might be my favorite of Angel. Like, I I think, I, like, even if not every element worked or there's some times that it was repetitive or, you know, the ending was a little rushed and you can kind of have your criticisms. But overall, um, I felt like the the kind of overall arc of those things I was saying about working at Wolfram and Hart and the kind of, existential anxiety of that I found really interesting and sort of compelling so part of me is like wanting to pick an episode that really exemplifies that but then also like part of the strength of it being an arc is that they all start to run together like there's you know they they all contribute to this overall sense of disillusionment and frustration and you know kind of all that sort of thing. So as much as I really enjoyed that, it's then also nice to then have an episode like Smile Time that um, is completely unique and memorable and more standalone and doesn't really feel like anything else. You know, that the whole season can be about those themes of disillusionment and frustration and and disappointment, but then you can have this completely silly, ridiculous hour with puppets right smack in the middle of it. Um, so, yeah, so I feel a little conflicted. Like, on the one hand, Smile Time doesn't exemplify the things I like most about the season, but also because it doesn't feel like anything else, I feel like that's also why it's really enjoyable. Um, you know, beyond it just being a completely bonkers idea that they had the courage to do and pulled off really well so just on a pure quality level you have to sort of respect it um so yeah that's why i would i would give it to smile time yeah and so after hearing your pick i sort of agonized a little bit about my pick (laughs) because um i'm picking the story not the episode of 
the the next two episodes immediately after Smile Time, um, which is uh, you know a hole in the world and shells telling the story of Fred's death and Illyria's arrival. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, I don't like losing Fred. But I feel like just from a storytelling perspective, A Hole in the World in particular um, just does such a great job of like affirming the character even as we're saying goodbye to her mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And um, I mean, Shells sort of continues that, although it's, it's you know, more the arrival of Illyria and kind of the dealing with the immediate impact of losing Fred. Although I don't, I feel like by the end of the season, we're still not dealt with losing Fred completely, obviously, which is why, you know, Illyria's lying to Wesley is so powerful. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, Fred's, so, I mean, I go back and forth because, like, I like all the characters in Angel so much. Um, like, I think Angel's actually my least favorite character of Angel, but, like, I like him a lot. You know what I mean? It's, like, that thing of, like, all of the other characters have so so much to offer, you know, Wesley and Fred and Gunn and Cordelia and, like, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's, like, not that I dislike Angel. It's just, like, I like the other ones so much that, mm-hmm. you know, calling him my least favorite isn't, like, a slight at all. It's just, yeah, there's so much to say about all of them. But, like, I go back and forth between like mostly Fred and Wesley and maybe sometimes Lauren <laughs> as mm-hmm. like, you know, which one's my favorite at different times. Um, right. So I don't know. I just, I think Amy Acker's great. I think, you know, her ability to portray both Fred and Illyria mm-hmm. and make it's them very both impressive. believable yeah. and yeah. all yeah. of that is just astounding. Um, yeah, she's you know, probably and, like just on like chops, those kind of technical actory things. She's probably the best one in the show. Like, sure. And what you really get to see in the, those last few episodes, I think it's really kind of cool to see her do that. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't, again, like, I, it's not fun in the story of losing Fred, but I think those are my favorite. That's my favorite storyline of just because of how well it's done mm-hmm. um, and all of that so, yeah yeah so i'm curious so i we didn't talk about this and so feel free to well you so you said you thought that season five was your favorite season mm-hmm. i would assume but feel free to tell me if i'm wrong that season four is your least favorite i think so i, I, I mean think I'm fresh. That's off, not universal, but I'm it's fresh fairly off the common. Memory of it, so it could be that the things I, it, it my the things that annoyed me are stronger in my mind, and I. But yes, that was my sense while we were going through it was that I struggled the most with season four, um, whereas I felt like season five had regained um some sort of vision of like what's the season about 
like what's what's the story what's the theme um and if at times that can get repetitive it was a refreshing change from season four which I, to me felt like it didn't know like it being the sentient being that is the story didn't know what it was doing um and seemed to kind of like be a bit scattered and schizophrenic and jump around a lot um beyond just having like bizarre choices like having you know the cordy connor plot and everything like mm -hmm. you had a few of those peppered in as well so in addition to not really knowing what where the story's going there was also just like strange choices that didn't necessarily seem to make a whole lot of sense or contribute to the thing mm -hmm. um but yeah so i think i don't know is that you said that's not an uncommon opinion is that do you agree do you have different favorites and least favorites well so pretty pretty season four is pretty pretty darn common as the least favorite although okay. it's it's not a hundred percent universal obviously but sure sure nothing, nothing is. is but but that's it's not about as close place. as you can get <laughs> to you know completely um but i do feel like I, I don't season five isn't my favorite but i would i struggle to pick between seasons one to three mm -hmm. which one would be because i like they all have strengths and weaknesses i feel like i think if i were to go solely on what i like like memorable episodes that i really enjoy mm -hmm. um I would probably have to to go with season two. Um, one just because the the like the four ending, you know, finale, like the four the, the storyline of like the Pylea arc, basically, mm -hmm. you know, leading up to that is so great. Um, but there's also just some really good episodes in there um are you now or have you ever been for example is really good um you know i don't know i there's i feel like probably for me it's season two but then like i don't know there's really good stuff in season three too especially mm -hmm. when you're you know getting into gun and and you know introducing and getting to know fred and you know like the whole cordy and angel stuff like yeah and cordy's ascension like you know there's there's yeah, a that's lot of a really, really good stuff that's there, a too. good strong run of episodes um yeah that i think is let down by what comes after it but but that doesn't necessarily take away from how compelling it is in the lead up like i i think i really remember really enjoying that like with connor as a baby and wesley's just com completely tortured decisions of what to do and then going into like the idea that cordy might have actually ascended and become higher being and there that being the the near miss with angel and um them not really getting to you know 
meet up and like that was a whole that like that run of episodes was really strong i think mm-hmm. um so like so. i don't know whether that beats out my overall like of season five but that would be my other kind of contender would be um that kind of back half of season three i think mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i yeah i know we weren't necessarily planning to talk about favorite seasons but i think that yeah well we kind of wanted know. to talk about other like memorable arcs and um so i think yeah. it kind of works with that Um, And I did want to mention that at some point, I'm glad it came up because I really did like season five. I felt like Angel went on out on on a high note in a way Um, like there was a strengthening in the in that last season. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe just purely because season four was shaky and so it was an improvement, but I also feel like it 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 crescendoed, it rose to something, you know, so that was kind of, you know, I thought that was a particularly strong final year. Sure. All right. All right. Well, so we're, we're done. (laughs) Wow. That's a long time coming. Yeah. Um, That was the longest conversation I've ever had. (laughs) yeah wow well what to do next so um we're not gonna say what we're gonna do next right now (laughs) but we'll be back at some point and we'll talk about it then at some indefinable point in the future yeah all All right. right see you then